third living creature say, come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seems to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat of, for a denarius and three quarts of barley for, for a denarius and do not harm the oil and wine. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Audrey. So this is, I mean, Revelation, <clears throat> the book of Revelation contains the revelation that um, God gave unto, unto John the Baptist, right? And then we now see one of these spiritual encounters that John had. Um, we, he, he now sees an angel and some things go on. So this angel opens a, a seal and, and he hears a voice and says, um, so a voice in the midst of the four beasts, verse 6 now says, a measure of wheat for a penny, meaning that this was, uh, this was a spiritual encounter. He was having, he was, this wasn't something happening physically. It was happening in the realm of the spirit. But in the realm of the spirit, they were determining how much a measure of, of wheat should be sold for. And they said a measure of wheat should be sold for a penny and three measures of barley should be sold for a penny. And then he now says, don't touch the oil and the wine, meaning leave it intact, leave the price of the oil and wine intact, but change the price of barley and change the price of wheat. This is a spiritual encounter. However, they're making economic decisions in this spiritual encounter. And this is so true for how countries are governed. And you know what? It, I, I, we, we need to, as believers, we really need to um, mature into, into, into the sorts of things, into how things really originate. So we might come and say, oh, uh, the price of fuel, for instance, is, um, I don't know what, the, what it is now per barrel, but let's assume it's $30 per barrel. And we'll say, and, 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 and an economist will come and tell us all the factors that, that made them arrive at, at the price of $30 per barrel, right? But when we look in the realm of the spirit, we'll see that that price was not really determined by an economist. It was determined in the realm of the spirit by, by spiritual forces that says, no, this barrel price of oil should, should drop or should increase or whatsoever. My point is just to show you how economic decisions that affect nations are, are originated from the realm of the spirit first. So, I mean, the realm of the spirit, nobody buys barley or wheat and oil or wine. However, the decision for how much these things should be sold happen in the realm of the spirit. And this is true for several other things in a nation that what determines the effect the what determines the um the what determines what occurs in a nation is is what happens in the realm of the spirit. The influence sits in the realm of, realm of the spirit. What we what just happens in the earth is we see the effects of of um of that decision that happened in the realm of the spirit. Okay? <clears throat> so let's read another scripture to buttress this point. Don't forget the fate of every nation is determined in the realm of the spirit. Okay, so let's look at Zechariah chapter one. <clears throat> Zechariah chapter one, verse sixteen. Um, Zechariah is the last book of the Old Testament. Hope I'm correct. Yeah, it's the last book of. Oh, oh sorry, not the last book. I beg pardon. It's second to the last book. Forgive me. Zechariah chapter one, verse sixteen. Um, um, Doris, you read for us, please. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 16 to 21. Wait, Zephyr. Oh, Zechariah. Zechariah, yeah. Sorry. Okay, 16 to 21. Yes. Therefore, thus 
the Lord. I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts, and a surveyor's line shall be stre stretched out over Jerusalem. Again, proclaim saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my city shall gain spread out my city shall gain spread, spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. Then I raised my eyes and looked and there were four horns. And I said to the angel who talked to me, what are these? So he answered me, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen and I said, what are these coming to do? So he said, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could lift up his head. But the craftsmen are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations that lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter it. Amen. Thank you so much, um, Doris. So in this encounter, right, we see, and, and let, let, me, let me break it, let me take the scriptures bit by bit, all right? So in this encounter, in this scripture, we see an encounter that the prophet Zechariah had. And in verse, um, we, we started from verse 16. So in verse 16, he says, God was, God was telling Zechariah that he's going to restore Israel back. He's going to restore Judah and Jerusalem and Israel back. He now says in verse, um, verse 16 that the house, that his house shall be built again. Now, let me give you a background. For a long time, right, the house of, house of God had not been built because the Israelites had been taken into captivity, right? And then they had returned, but yet the house had not been built. So he, God begins to tell Zechariah that the house is going to be built. And he now says, cry yet, saying, thus says the Lord in verse 17, that the cities through prosperity shall spread abroad. Meaning God is going to prosper his city so much that they are going to expand. They are going to spread abroad, okay? And that sounds like a very good thing. That sounds exciting. That sounds, that's, that's something you tell anyone they'll get excited about. It's like saying, it's like saying, um, let me use Nigeria as, as I mean, case in point. Um, it's like saying Nigeria is going to increase, Nigeria is going to expand, Nigeria is going to be become great and wealthy and rich and free of corruption and all of that. And that sounds, and imagine this is God telling you, you are really going to be excited. But then look at what verse 18 now says. Then I then lifted I, my eyes and saw, and behold, I saw four horns. So um, Zechariah lifted up his eyes. And when he lifted up his eyes, he saw four horns. And then Zechariah turned to the angel and said, what do these horns represent? And the angel began to give him the spiritual reason for why the, the cities had not yet been built, why the cities had not yet prospered. And the angel told him that these horns are the horns that have scattered the cities, scattered Judah, scattered Jerusalem, scattered Israel, so that, they are there, so that the people do not lift up their head, meaning there has been oppression in the city, and people just didn't know why there was oppression. And there was just oppression continually. And Angel began to give perspective to say, there's been oppression in these in this cities because these four horns have not allowed people to lift up their heads. The horns have suppressed people and, and has oppressed them. And then, um, um, then Zachariah now looks again and he sees um, four craftsmen or four carpenters. And then he now asks again, so what are these craftsmen? And Angel says, these craftsmen, are the ones that are going to destroy these four horns that have lifted up themselves against my people. What this means is that the oppression that the people felt in the land, the resistance, the, the I'm sure they probably tried to build the house of God, tried to build the city, but nothing was working. 
And all of that resistance was because there were four months spiritually that was opposing the people. So my point in this is, in every, in every nation, the, the circumstance of a country is determined spiritually. Whether the country will advance or the country will, will, will regress, everything is determined spiritually. And it's important that as Christians, we know this first and foremost before we do anything on the earth, on the outside. Of course, we are going to take actions. Of course, we'll do everything we need to do. But first, we need to know that this, the fate of every nation is determined spiritually before anything um, ever occurs. All right? Um, so having said that, I want us to move on. So we've established that, um, first of all, God is interested in every country. God is interested in every nation. He himself determined that countries will have their, their boundaries and will be located wherever they are located. Um, and then he himself determined that we will be born into those countries, right? whether we like it or not. It doesn't matter because God is wisdom and he's starting to determine that. So having known that God is interested in, in, in each country, it's also important to know that um, the fate of every nation is determined by the spiritual realities not just the economic and fiscal decision on, on, on the outside, that everything we see on the outside is a product of what happens in the realm of the spirit first. Okay? So let's move on to the next thing I, I want to protest tonight. Second thing is that there are two sides to every situation. All right? There are two sides to every situation um, that we ever come in contact with. There, there's the fiscal side, and, and then there is the... Um, and then there is the spiritual side, all right? There's the physical side and there is the spiritual side. So to buttress this point, let us look at Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, verse 18 through 14. Um, Ariel, sorry, Ariel, you're going to read for us. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. To 14. Ariel, are you with us? Exodus chapter 17. Verse 8 to 14. Ariel, are you there? If you're there, let's know. Can you hear me? Okay, um, who will read for us? Samaru, can you hear me? If you can, please read for us. Exodus chapter 17. Oops, Samara, are you there? Okay, okay, so yeah, let me just go ahead and read it. Exodus chapter 17, verse, we're reading verse 8 to 14. Okay, so... Then, verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses Aaron and Hall went up to the top of the hill. And when it came to pass, I'm in verse 11 now. And when it came to pass, sorry, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. 
But Moses' hands were weary, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Verse 13. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called, on, called, the, name, and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the, that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Praise God. All right, so that was a long video, but I wanted to give us the full scope of this story so that we understand um, the point I'm trying to bring out. So there's, there's this battle that Amalek, that Israelites were going to face against, um, against Amalek. And then God, Moses tells, tells Joshua to say, Joshua, gather your men and tomorrow you are going to go into battle. Now, that sounded enough, right? That sounded like that was all they needed to do, just go to battle and defeat them. But Moses then now said, see, you guys go down into um, go down to fight these people while I will go up to the mountain, to the top of the mountain and do something else. So we had Joshua down in the valley fighting the people and Joshua, and Moses, Aaron and Hall were up on the mountain. And the Bible records that every time Moses lifted up his hands, that the people down in the valley won the war. But whenever Moses brought his hands, hands down, then the people in the valley were losing. So Aaron and Hall had to support Moses' hands to stay up. My point is that if somebody just looked at what was happening in the valley, the person would say, oh, these people are fighting very well. They are so skillful. They know how to combat. They know the military tactics, and that's why they are winning. But the person would not know that in that same war, there was an unseen part of the war, right? And that was where what Moses, Aaron, and Hall were doing. So they were on the mountain carrying out spiritual exercise. You know, lifting up the hands, representing authority and inter intercession. Okay, while Joshua and the remaining people in the valley were fighting. So in every war, in every battle, in every situation, there are two sides of the, of the experience. There's the spiritual side and then there is the physical side. It is important that we never leave any of these sides away. And people fall into either, either of the two extremes. So some people on the extreme say, all we need to do is to fight or, or all we need to do in, in this context now, all we need to do is to protest and let the government hear our voice and then um, 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 make make ourselves known and let, let, let everybody know what's going on. We, we march and protest and they say that's all that is needed. That's one mistake. On the other side, some people say, no, all we need to do is just to pray. We just stay at home, stay in church, hold videos and pray and do nothing aside prayer. That is also an extreme. But what we see in the book of Exodus from this story is that there are two sides to the battle. There's the physical side where people march and actually, uh, in quotes now, war and make war, while there's the, the spiritual side where people stand up on the hill and the mountain of the Lord and intercede, lifting up their hands so that the, so that the efforts of those carrying out the actions would, be, would, prove, would produce results. If you do one without the other, you will never see the manifestation of God's, of God's power, all right? So it's important to know there are two sides of every battle. There are two sides of every situation. And this is not just for a nation, right? It is, this is also for us as individuals. 
that in any endeavor you are going on, there are two sides. There's the spiritual side. Let's say you, 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 you run a business. There's the spiritual side where you pray, you release the word of God, you prophesy and you declare God's verdict over your business. Then there's also the physical side where you must go to work. You must do the advertising. You must um, go and look for customers and all of that. What happens now is that your physical efforts will produce maximum results over and beyond what, what is expected because there's a spiritual dimension backing up that your action. So there is, it's, it's important. It's, 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 um, it doesn't make sense to do one without the other. All right. If we want to achieve victory, then we must do the spiritual side and also carry out the physical side. Okay. So it's important to know that. Um, in the next um, two minutes there about, the meeting is going to end and we're just going to join back in again, um, just like we did last week. So just, just so we're alerted, right? Um, in less than two minutes, the meeting will end. Just join back with the same link, everything, and then we'll continue. Okay, so to buttress this point again, we are going to look at one more scripture. Um, oh, actually, not one more scripture. We have a couple of scriptures. But let's look at another familiar story. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 1 to 8. Second Kings chapter chapter seven from verse one to eight. Second Kings chapter seven verse one to eight. Um, I want someone to read, but I don't know who who is using Tesla PC. Forgive me, I don't. Your name isn't showing up here. So, for in the absence of knowing your name, Tesla PC, can you read for us if you're there? Are you there? Are you there? Who is using Tesla PC as his name or her name? Uh, okay, not there. Okay, Joy, if you're there, please read for us. Um, Second Kings 7. There's one to 8. Joy, if you're there, please read for us. Um, second okay. Kings, okay. Second Kings from um, Second Kings seven. Yeah. From verse one to eight. Yep. But Elisha said, "Hear the word of the Lord." Thus says the Lord, "Tomorrow about this this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel, at the gate of Samaria." Then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But he said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance, at the entrance to the gates. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now, come, let us go if over we to say, the camp let of us enter the city. The famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Mm -hmm. Now, come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we will die. So they arose twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the, the camp, 
of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. Do I stop at seven or eight? Um, eight. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, Joy. <clears throat> so what we see here is, again, an interesting story, um, quite, quite familiar with, to a lot of people. Um, but let me just go over it. So the Israelites had been in siege. Had been, there, was, there was famine, basically, because the Syrians had surrounded them. All right. Um, and then Elisha now comes and gives a prophecy by, by, the, by the word of the Lord, saying that by this time tomorrow, there will be so much food that they will sell at a ridiculous price. And then one guy says, uh -uh, Elijah, um, Elisha, even if God was to open the windows of heaven, this thing cannot happen. And Elisha responded to him and said, oh, well, since you doubted the word of the Lord, you are going to see it, but you are not going to partake of it. So let me first pause that. This first part shows the spiritual part where Elisha prophesied. Elisha, um, Elisha, even Elisha didn't know how it was going to happen. He just had the word of the Lord that God spoke to him. So he prophesied it and released it. That, that represents the spiritual part. Just like how people pray, people prophesy, people declare the word of the Lord. But then from verse, um, from verse 3, from verse 3, we begin to see how this prophecy came into manifestation. And it came into, it came into manifestation by the most unlikely set of people, the lepers. Lepers, they were, not even, they were not in the city. And mind you, these lepers did not even hear the prophecy. They were not aware that anything like prophecy had gone on. They were just on their own and having a conversation within, within themselves. And they said, oh, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we move into the city, we're going to die. Why not we just go to the to the camp of Syrians? If they have mercy on us, then we'll have food. If they kill us, we we'll eventually die, but it's a 50-50 chance. And then they took the step, and we see how God manifested. My point is that if there was only prophetic words spoken, and these lepers did not, did not prompt themselves to take action, then the word of prophecy wouldn't have come to pass. Meaning that, there are, again, there are two sides to every situation. There's the spiritual side, and then there's the physical side. And it's important we know that in the context of what's going on um, in the country and the world at large, that there's a spiritual approach towards it, and there's also the fiscal approach towards it. And both sides are important. We cannot do one without the other. All right. So we need to, we need to, we need to be effective in both, effective in our spiritual um, assignment and effective in fiscal assignment as well. All right. So I'm going to move a bit, a bit fast because of because of time. One more, one more scripture to buttress this point. Uh, remember, we're saying that there are two sides to every situation. There's the physical side and there's the spiritual side as well. So one more verse of scripture, passage of scripture to buttress this, which is Ezra chapter 6, verse 14. Um, the book of Ezra chapter 6, verse 14 to 15. Ezra chapter 6. Verse 14 to 15. 
All right. I am going to read Ezra chapter 6, verse 14 to 15. Ezra is in between Chronicles and um, Nehemiah. In between Second Chronicles and Nehemiah. All right. So Ezra chapter 6 here. I'm reading from verse 14 and 15. And the elders of the Jews builded and they prospered through, take note of this, they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo. And they builded and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Dairus and Artaxerxes king of Pesha. Praise God. There's just a whole background explanation to this, and I wouldn't delve into it now. But this verse tells us that the people of Israel could build because of the prophecy of Zechariah and um, and and um, Zechariah who again? Sorry, Zechariah and Haggai because of the prophecy, prophesying of Zechariah and Haggai, and then he says also so because of the prophesying they were they're able to build. So though Zechariah had prophesied and Hagar had prophesied, the people had to go themselves and actually build. And he now says also, according to the commandment of God, not just commandment of God, but he says again, according to the commandment of Cyrus, of Dairus, and at Exactus. We're going to look into this further, but um, still on this point, it takes two, two, two dimensions to come, to come hand in hand for the, for the word of God to manifest. So the prophesying represents the spiritual dimension, whereas the people had to go and physically build. So even though God had promised them that, that the city was going to be built and his house was going to be built, they had to go and do the building after the prophecy had been released. So it's important as Christians that we have into perspective what's going on in the country right now uh, and in the world at, at large, that even though God's word has been released and even though prayer is released, we also need to back it up with actions. And we should not even attempt carrying out any actions without spiritual covering and without spiritual backing. All right? So I, I, I believe that's, that's clear enough. Now, the next thing, the third point I want to show us in today's study is this, that whenever God, remember, we're looking at how God transforms nations and how God brings his purposes to pass in certain nations. And let me say this, that this is not just... It, it applies, yes, we're looking at, at the national context, but it also applies into our individual lives, all right? So the third thing I want to point out here is that God raises men and women in positions of authority so that they can effect change. And this is done in response to our prayer, all right? So there's a lot going on. I mean, we are, we are pretty much aware of what's going on um, around the world and in Nigeria especially. How there's a, a call for a cry for the government to put an end to police brutality, put an end to a lot of um, a lot of wrong things that are going on in society. So how does God actually bring a change? And you know this has this bothered me to be honest. Yeah, this bothered me for a while, especially when the protest starts. I began to ask myself that will it just end at protests? Will it just be that people people protested and then um, after the whole and after the whole energy, after the whole momentum, things died down. And then after some months, things reverted back to normal. Or what, what is God's method of bringing about a change? Um, what, is really, what, do, what can we really expect, right, um, if God wants to bring a change? And while looking through scriptures, God showed me some things, and I want to share with us um, this evening. And this is, this is it, that 
Whenever God wants to bring about a change to a nation, God raises people in positions of authority so that they can release the decree to enforce that. And a perfect example, right? We're not going to look at this scripture, but a perfect example is the story of Esther. In the book of Esther, we are pretty much familiar with the story, but let me give us um, a brief rundown. So Esther became queen through the most unlikely circumstances, and then she was enjoying her, 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 her position as a queen. But then comes this guy called Haman that wants to kill all the Jews. He even gets permission to, to wipe out all the Jews. And then Esther's uncle, Mordecai, says to Esther and says, Esther, you need to act now, and you need to stand up for your people. And then Esther takes her, through the wisdom of God, after praying and fasting, Esther takes her, uh, her position, invites the king for a banquet, and then places her demand. And the king now, now, the king now signs another decree, empowering the Jews to fight for themselves. My point is that if God did not raise somebody in the position of authority like Esther, then the Jews would have, would probably, would have, uh, would probably have been wiped out of the surface of the earth if there was nobody in the position of authority. So what God does is that he sets up people in the position of authorities, so of authority, so that these people can then use that position to effect a decree that will affect the people and will bring about the purposes of God to pass. Does that make sense? I hope I'm not speaking too fast, right? Um, if, if you're getting me so far, you could just, um, you know, type in something or give me a thumbs up, let me know you're getting me. And if you have a question, please, by all means, write it down. We'll take questions um, um, towards the end of the discussion. All right, so if you can hear me, if you're clear, if you're following me, okay. Who is Tesla PC? I honestly don't know your name. So if you do me a favor, just you can just text me your name or write it down in the um, comments so I'll know who you are. Um, I know there is um, um, Rory's. Can you hear me? Yeah, I it's can. Cecil. Oh, Cecil. Okay, okay. Cecil, Cecil. Yeah. All right, cool. Okay, so so we see that God um, God raises men, and I'm going to show us how. Um, let's look at the book of Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24. So I want to look at, at a man called Cyrus. You know what, before we even read, let me try and give us a breakdown. It's, it's just a, a long story, but let's, let me give us a breakdown of this, of this, um, of all that's been happening before now. So... Israel had been in captivity, right? Jeremiah prophesied that they're going to be there for 70 years. And um, after the 70th year, that God, God is going to visit them. And so during Daniel's time, Daniel went back to, to, to read the prophecy of Jeremiah. And then he sees that, <clears throat> that Israel is supposed to be there for only 70 years. And that 70-year 70 70 period was gradually coming to an end. And so Daniel began to pray. Daniel began to pray on behalf of his people. And then God actually intervenes. And, and then God, God, God releases, God begins to speak about the rebuilding of, of, the, of the city, right? So, so it happens that um, Israel leaves exile, and then God begins to prophesy on the rebuilding of the nation. Now, remember that Israel just left exile. So they really didn't have so much to themselves to build their country. And so God had to lift up someone to help them. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 44, verse, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24. Sorry, I told you guys we're going to do a lot of reading today. Um, so just follow, follow, follow the reading, please, as careful as possible. 
Isaiah chapter 44, verse 20. Um, verse 24. I'm going to read quickly and just keep some verses. Verse 24, Isaiah 44, verse 24. Thus said the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things and stretcheth forth the heavens alone and spread abroad the earth by myself. Let us skip to verse 28. It says that said of Cyrus, so God begins to speak of someone called Cyrus, that said of Cyrus, he's my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, all my pleasure. Even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. So God begins to talk about Cyrus that, Cyrus is going to be my, 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 my shepherd and he's going to build Jerusalem for me. Mind you, Cyrus was not a Jew. Cyrus was, you know, wasn't of Jewish origin. He was just one of the rulers at that point. Now, let's go to chapter 45, verse 1. Let's continue our reading. Chapter 45, verse 1. Thus said the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holding, to subdue nations before him and to lose the loins of king to open before him and open before him the two leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. He says, I will go before thee and make the crooked path straight. I will break down the pieces, I break break into pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. Let us skip to verse 4. He says, For Jacob's, for Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel my elect, I have called, I have even called thee by thy name. I have summoned thee, though thou hast not known me. Let me explain this. So God begins to talk about Cyrus, that Cyrus is going to build my city, Jerusalem. He's going to build my, the city for my people. And he says that even though you do not know me, right, yet I've called you, and I've called you for the sake of my people, Israel, for the sake of my people, Jacob. Meaning that Israel at that point didn't have the capacity to build itself. Jerusalem didn't have the buoyancy to build itself. So God raised somebody in a place of in a position of authority and, and placed it in his heart to build, to build Jerusalem. So this was the prophecy that Isaiah was, was releasing. Okay? So that's the prophecy. Let's see the manifestation. Let's see the manifestation of this, of this prophecy. So let us go to Ezra to see the manifestation of this prophecy. Let's go to Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. Um, Ezra is after Second Chronicles, just before Nehemiah. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. Um, Cecil, you're going to read for us. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 3. <clears throat> Um, Ezra 1, um, verse 1. Now yeah. in the first year, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that, it, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord <laughs> Heaven has given me. Thus says Cyrus, King of Persia. Sir, the call is coming to me. Okay. Um. Okay. Yeah. Let me just let me just finish up. So, thus 
said the Lord, sorry, thus said Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven had given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he had charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Verse 3, who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem to build, sorry, Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Praise God. All right, thank, thank yeah. you, Cecil. I'm sorry about the call that interrupted. So what happened here? Like in, in, Isaiah, in Isaiah, we saw the prophecy that, oh, I'm going to raise up Cyrus and he's going to build um, build Jerusalem for me. Now in in book of Ezra, we are seeing the fulfillment of that prophecy. It now says that in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, then the word of God came and, it, sorry, sorry, that the word of the Lord might be fulfilled. So in the first year of the reign of Cyrus, so that God's word will be fulfilled, God stirred the heart of Cyrus. Remember, Cyrus was a man in authority. He was, in fact, verse 2 says that, um, Cyrus talking about himself, says that uh, the Lord God of heaven had given him all the kingdoms of the earth, meaning Cyrus was so influential that his influence spanned across all the earth. And this was a man of influence that God had raised so that he would build up Jerusalem. And remember the point I'm trying to portray here is the fact that when God wants to cause a change in the nation, he raises people that are, that are in a position of authority. Whether they've been authority before or they, they, he, he puts them in authority, whichever way, God raises people that are in authority so that they can issue the decree and, and effect the mandate that God wants for his people and for that nation at large. And that's how God really changes things. And it's important, you know, because of this, I want us to go back to, still in the book of Ezra, let's go back to Ezra chapter 6 where we read um, some minutes ago. I, want just, I just want to show us some things here. Ezra chapter 6 verse 14 again. Um, and the elders of the Jews built it and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, of Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah the son of Edo. And they built it and finished it according to the commandment of God, of the God of Israel. Let me take a pause here. Somebody will say, oh, of course, they built according to, to the commandment of God. That means God just said it and it happened. But look, read this verse closely. It says, according to, to the commandment of the God of Israel, this is Ezra chapter 6, verse 14. It says, and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Dairus and Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Meaning that even though God had commanded, right, that the city be built, be built, the kings and the people in position of authority also had to give their own decree and their own command for it to be built. Meaning that God don't, God never bypasses authority, um, um, human legally instituted authority. God don't, never bypasses it. So what God does is that if he wants to cause a change in a country, he raises people so that they can sit in those positions of authority because God will never bypass the position of authority. Rather, he will exalt people to the position of authority so that from that position, they can now issue the decree. So verse 14 where we just read says, according to the commandment of God, but not God alone, also according to the commandment of Cyrus, according to the commandment of Dairos, and according to the commandment of Atexazis. Okay? So I just want this, I, I reread all these scriptures to, to show us that God, God raises men when he wants to change a country, when he wants to effect a change, when he wants to bring about a transitioning in a community, in a geographic location, he raises a man to do that. 
Praise God. All right. So we're going to look at one more proof. Um, one more proof that God raised this man. Um, let us read some. There are two scriptures. I'm trying to decide which of them we're going to read now. Um, okay. Let us read. Let us read. Um, you know what? Let us read. Okay. One more Old Testament scripture. Zechariah chapter 4. We're going to read this quickly. Um, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1 to 9. You know what? It's a popular scripture, so I'll just make reference to it. Um, at your personal time, go read it through. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1 to 9. Okay. Um, this is where, where we got where the verse that says, Not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So it's in this passage that we see it. But what happened was that God gave Zechariah a vision. And in that vision, he saw two olive, olive trees, and he saw a lampstand, and he saw that there was a pipe connecting the lampstand to the olive trees, and then supplying it. And Zechariah was like, God, what is all this? I don't understand. And then God now explains to him and says, this is the word of the Lord, right, um, to Zerubbabel. Now, who is Zerubbabel? Zerubbabel was one of the leaders of the, of the Israelites after they came out of their exile. So just think about Zerubbabel like a governor. Or like one of or a leader, a council leader, but he was a prominent person leading the people in the political scene, right? Um, in, when they came out of Israel, so the vision that Zechariah saw was concerning this political leader, concerning this leader of the people, and the angel explained to Zechariah that this is the meaning of the vision you saw, and the vision simply means not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Then he now says that what is this mountain before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, meaning that God had to empower Zerubbabel to perform the to carry out the building of the um, of the city. Even though God had prophesied it, God had to had to raise up a man, even among the people, to carry out the building of that of that city. And this just portrays the point I've been saying all along that the way God changes nations is that He raises people in positions of authority. He empowers them so that they can carry out His counsel. And they can carry out his will for those people. So for a country like Nigeria, one of the things we are going to be praying about, we should be praying about right now, is that God should raise people in position of authority. Whether they are currently in the position right now or they are in the grassroots, but God will raise, lift them into that position. But we need people in position of authority so that they can carry out the, the um, purposes of God for our country, Nigeria. Praise God. The last example I was going to read, um, I, I'm also going to leave it to you to read is from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, verse 33 to 35. You can please write this down. Acts chapter 5, um, verse 33 to 39. Sorry. Acts chapter 5, 33 to 39. In that passage, we see an, an experience that the disciples had. So in the book of Acts chapter 5, they had, you know, they had been doing stuff, miracles, wonders, and all of that. And then they captured them, put them in prison. But the angel came and released them. And they couldn't find the um, the Pharisees couldn't find them again and while looking for them someone now told them that oh they are actually preaching in the synagogue and then they called them in okay and then they're, they're going to, to persecute them persecute them and lock them up and whatever they want to do with them and then among the Pharisees there was one man called Gamaliel in fact I need to read the scripture sorry so let's open there I'll just read some few passages Acts chapter 5 I was trying to avoid reading it for sake of time, but there's some things I need to point out. Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 
33. Acts chapter 5, right? I'm going to read verse, verse just verse, verse, verse 34. Then stood, then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had a reputation among all the people and commanded and commanded to the apostles uh, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little a little space. You know, this verse gives us the credential of Gamaliel. It says that Gamaliel was a first of all, he was in the council of Pharisees. This council was a council, you know, when they have the the high and mighty council, those the, the, the inner caucus, exactly, the cabal. So this was this council of Pharisees. And they say that he was a doctor of the law. He had reputation among the people. So he was influential among the people. And God stirred him up in Gamaliel's heart to begin to say, tell the Pharisees that, uh -uh, whatever you want to do to these people, you could have to be careful. Because there are some people in, in, in the past that came up and claimed they're famous and they, nothing came out of them and all of that. My point is that God stirred up this man who was influential to say something. So whenever God wants to bring about change, he raises people of influence. It's possible that they may not have even been influential all their lives, but God raises them to occupy a position of influence so that through that position, God can execute his decree all over, uh, over his people. All right? So I, I believe this is clear enough. I really have to rush now. So the question then everyone is asking, and even me, I, I'm asking myself is, so what do we do? What can I do as an individual, as a citizen of this country, um, in my own little space, what can I do? Um, what is really effective? I've asked myself this several times because it's possible for people to do things just because it's popular and yet it's not effective. So what is the effective thing to do? So these are two things I received in my heart to do. Number one is engage in prayers. And again, I know we have we've been praying for the country, but now we need to engage in prayers and, and what I call what I call prophetic prayers. What you know what um, Moses did? He stretched forth his hand over the people that were um, that were down in the valley fighting, and he stretched forth his hand in at a spiritual significance of authority and and intercession, so that those ones in the valley could could can have the spiritual support to execute what they are doing. Now the truth is that not every one of us, right? Um, so first of all, I mean, a protest has been going on um, a lot for the past couple of days, and some people may never have the opportunity to go out fiscally to protest. And in fact, if everyone goes out at once to protest, it's really going to be chaotic. And aside that, even the people that are in places of positions of authority, legislation, um, judiciary, the executive, people that make key decisions, we all wouldn't have the opportunity to sit in the midst of this um, conversations where key decisions are made. However, there's something we can do, and that is prayer. We raise our hand just like Moses in the place of prayer, interceding so that the will of God will be, will be done through these people who are in the front line. All right, so that the will of God will be done through the people who are in the in the in the government house, through so that the will of God will be done through the people who are in positions of authority. We raise our voice, we raise our hands in prayer, interceding for these people. Okay, and it's important. We do our we carry our prophetic prayers, um, praying and interceding for the nation. Because I can assure you, this is the time of birthday. Something is about coming up, coming out of Nigeria, and we need to be diligent and 
consistent in the place of prayer so that God's purpose will be will be bet. All right. In still along the line of prayer, I need to emphasize that we need to be consistent in this in a time like this. We need to mount pressure in a time like this so that God's purpose will be fulfilled. It's just like a woman who is who is who is about to give birth. Um, she may be in labor for let's say one hour thereabouts. During those one hour, all she focuses on is giving birth. She's not bothered about anybody liking her or any other thing. Of course, she has other things to do. Maybe she's, she's employed, she has a business and all of that. But at that point in time, she wants to give birth. So she applies pressure until she pushes until the baby is born. So that's what we are doing in the, in the place of prayer. We are pushing, we are exercising authority, we are, we, are, we are enforcing that the will of God be done and we are consistent at it. So that's what I'm encouraging all of us to do. Remain consistent on in the place of prayer until the will of God is done. Then the next thing, I again, like I said, right, there's the spiritual and then there's physical side. So the next thing we need to do is to take action. Now, this is where it becomes a little bit tricky because um, action is a is a action is very broad. We, we, we don't even know which actions to take. And this is where we now have to take our own respective and unique positions. Whatever action you can take in your own place, right? Take the action and 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 make sure it is make sure it is, is get towards 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 the, the will of God and, and the purpose of God being achieved in the country. Action, I mean for the most part we've been doing it get making it um making people on social media aware um going out for protests um, um talking with the people in government whatever action it may be go ahead and do that action. But there's something else I also want to bring to our, our, our knowledge and to our consciousness is the fact that God is not just, see, when God moves, everything, everything experiences life, right? So what God is doing is not just for the police sector and in terms of police brutality. I can say for, for a certain that God is reviving the whole country and we all have our parts to play. So whatever sector God has placed you in, play your part in that sector. If God has placed you in the education industry, Play your part in that industry. God has placed you in um, interior industry. God has placed you in the in the in the tech world or in the music world, whatever sector God has placed you. You play your part in that sector effectively. That's one of the ways we contribute to the purpose of God being fulfilled in our land. Remember that in what we read in Ezra that the people came and built the city, even though there was prophesying and everything. The people had to put their hands to build the city in their context to build the country. Don't think your efforts are too little. You put in your effort to build the country, no matter how small you think it, it is. All right? So those are two things I think we should do. Stay prophetically in the place of prayer and also take the action that God prompts in your heart to take actions. And one more thing, let me just say, because of what has been happening, especially today, when it comes to taking action, please and please do it with all caution and be, be guided by the wisdom of God so that um, all the, you know, chaos that is going on and... and, um, and um, rioting wouldn't wouldn't um, before you okay all right so we have less than seven minutes for the meeting to end i'm just going to pause here and go, i'm going to allow us to make contributions or ask or ask questions in um we're just going to take that for like five minutes so please we have a question or if you have something you want to contribute maybe something really steady up in your heart please go ahead and share it with us or if you have a question please go ahead
Doris, do you want to say something? Doris, are you there? No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Was everything clear to you? Well, I, yes, it, yes. You don't sound convinced. No, but you know, it's a, it's a very difficult topic. So it's, it's, yeah. I just feel like it's something I can just like see. Yeah, you know, and it'll be honest about, but I have obviously learned a lot from, from this. Okay, okay, thank God. Um, Joy, any question? Or comments? No, I'm fine. I learned too much and it's, it's just a reminder for us to keep praying and not get tired of praying because uh, no matter how um, tired we feel, we need to always remember that our prayers are efficient and they have a major role to play in what's going on. So it was a good lesson, at least to remind ourselves that we need to pray and not give up at this point. So yeah, that's it. I don't have any questions. Okay, okay. Um, Cecil, how about you? Um, I don't have any question. Um, <laughs> it, it was a very um, powerful session. Um, it was, I, I was reminded when I joined that um, whatever battle we are fighting, it's not just in the physical, but also in the spiritual. And even though we like fight these battles, Physically, we should not forget that God is behind the scenes and is working and we're not alone, which is very important to remember that we're not alone. And then there's a force behind all of our actions mm-hmm. from the Aaron story. Yeah. It was a good reminder because we forget sometimes. Praise God. All right. Amen. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, so, yeah, just just really... I, I perceive it was strong in my heart to share this and um, not to sound cliche, but to be honest, there's so much God is breathing in this season. And this year alone has been a, it feels like this whole year has been a year of, of giving birth. And the Bible says that when Jesus Christ was talk, talking to disciples, that um, when a woman is, is about to give birth, she feels the pain of, of birth, right? She feels the birth pangs. And, um, but when the child is born, she forgets the, the pain of, the, of, of of giving birth, and she's excited about what is born, what is what she has given birth to. So I feel strongly that it's some it's the same thing with us as well. That this is a birthing period, even for the nation at large. So there's a lot of contraction, there's a lot of birth pangs, there's a lot of um, 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 a, a lot of pain that is going on. But if we stay through and we 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 stay in a place of prayer and taking the actions that God inspires us to take, we'll see God birth something new for this nation. And then we, we would we would forget the pain and, and all the turmoil we had gone through. So yeah, I'm just encouraging all of us. Don't think your prayer is is, is um, too small. Yesterday I went on a walk with my wife, and you know we just prayed and we were walking just in, in the estate, and the power of God was just so the grace to pray was there, and I felt so I felt so energetic praying for the country. And I, I know we've had prayed for the country, and many of us have at at some point probably giving up on the country, whether consciously or unconsciously. But I'll tell you that God really has stuff he's going to do for this country and through this country. We should just take our individual places and pray and 
do the actions that God will demand from us. Um, and also, even on the sp spiritually, God is raising God is raising people in this country spiritually, and a lot of them are young people. We're going to talk about this maybe further on, but a lot, a lot of them are young people. That, but God is raising people that will do his will, people that are not conventional, people that are not, uh, they don't fit into the stereotype of, hey, he's a pastor, oh, he's an evangelist, oh, he's a bishop. People that don't fit into that stereotype. God is going out of the box to use people that are willing. So I yeah, just, just want to chip this in for us that, Stay alert to know what God is doing in this season. I don't I, again yet if you go on social media, there's a lot, there's a, enough to make you angry, there's enough to make you furious and almost disheartened and depressed. Um, so you might want to stay away from social media, you know, for a bit or just deal with it wisely so you don't get depressed with all the negative things going around. Because when you look at the from the realm of the spirit, God is also doing his things, just that the devil tries to amplify what he's doing so that we lose focus of what God is doing. But what when the Bible says when when sin abound, grace abound much more. So when the devil was, is doing his stuff, God, what God is doing is way more exceeding um, and abundant. So yeah, I just want to chip that in um, for us. Let us pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this evening. Um, thank you for today's today's um, um, Bible study and all that you've you've shown us and shared with us. We are grateful, Father. We receive the grace to stay in the place of prayer for our country, for our nation, for our community, to see your will done and your will birthed in our land. We also receive the wisdom and the diligence to take the right actions in the name of Jesus Christ. As, a, as, as, as believers, we prophesy and we speak peace over this nation. We declare that all the horns that are scattering people, let them be destroyed. We declare that your peace and, and your, your, your calmness re returns back to this nation. We declare justice and truth reigns in this nation in the name of Jesus. Let your purpose and your kingdom reign in Nigeria in the mighty name of Jesus. Blessed be your name, Father, for in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Have a wonderful um, weekend, or rather week ahead, sorry. Um, I'll send you more information on the group, on the group chats um, as the week goes on. I, by God's grace, I'll send this recording as soon as possible. God bless you. Bye.